Hey, it's Scott Orn of Cruise Consulting, and welcome to another episode of Founders and Friends. And before we start the podcast, let's give a quick shout out to Rippling. Rippling is the new cool payroll tool that we see a lot of startups using. Rippling is great for your traditional HR and payroll. They integrate very nicely. But guess what? They did another thing. They integrate into your IT infrastructure. They make it really easy for when you hire someone to spin up all the web services and their computer, which sounds kind of like not a huge deal. But actually, we did the study at Cruise. We spend $420 on average just getting a new employee's computer up and running and their web service up and running. It's actually a really big deal. It saves a lot of money. And the dogs are eating the dog food. Like We see a lot of startups coming in to Cruise now using Rippling. So please check out Rippling. Great service. We love it. I think we have a podcast with Parker Conrad. You can hear it from his own words, but we're seeing them take market share. So shout out to Rippling. And now to another awesome podcast at Cruise Consulting's Founders and Friends. Thanks. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Ohm. Welcome to Founders Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And today, my very special guest is Antonio Soler of Vistra. Welcome, Antonio. Thanks, Scott. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. So we actually refer a lot of business to you. And so I wanted to have you on the podcast. And kind of the two, well, we'll first, we'll get, we'll get into it in a second. But maybe you can retrace your career a little bit and tell everyone how you ended up at Vistra and how you developed your expertise. Sure. So I don't know how far back we want to go, but... Um... But I grew up in a very international family with an international background and really, um, from a very young age, spent my um, my life working across cultures, uh, sorry, living across cultures, I should say. And um, it's probably no surprise that when it came to my professional choices, I ended up working across cultures. Um, <laughs> yeah, how I came across Vistra, or at least the, the, you know, the primary concept that underlines Vistra as a company is, I think two, two big things happened. One was I was... Um, a founder and entrepreneur in the first dot-com boom mm. in 1999. No way. Yes, I was, which was quite an experience. I was very young, and I made every possible mistake that you can make when you're running a business for the first time and um, and somebody gives you a lot of money. So, yep. Um, yep. Um, But amongst the, the, the frustrations and challenges, obviously, was um, was setting up our international offices. And it was, it was yeah. my job to do that, and I literally – had to go stand in line at the various authorities and regulatory agencies in different countries around the world to get the piece of paper that permitted you to do something or other. Were you flying like across the world to like from Brazil to Japan to, you know, that kind of thing? Well, not in those days. In those days, it was, we hadn't gotten that big. It was just within Europe. I was just doing France and Germany. But if you had to choose two countries in which to start, those are two pretty complicated places to uh, to get a business going. Yeah, France is one of the hardest uh, companies to probably get anything started, right? Absolutely. And at the time, you know, this was um, the early days of, of the internet and certainly getting this kind of um, approval or documentation online was, was something that was far in the future. So... Um, it meant getting in line in dusty offices, <laughs> filling out the paperwork and triplicate and, um, and doing it that way. I kind of remember before we, we turned the mics on, you met a friend. You had a friend who was kind of starting a business that could actually kind of handle this capability, right? That's right. So so this is in 2010 or so. He was a, a good friend. He had his, a, his accounting practice in, in Italy. 
And he was selling it to a group that really were looking at um, globally enabling international expansion. So really, they were assembling a bunch of um, practices at a local level in order to be able to go to clients and offer them a, a solution that crossed you know, all the borders and, and, and relevant services. And um, I thought it was such a great idea that I, um, I went in as a consultant first, invested in the business and, and took an executive role. And happy to say that um, we built that business um, successfully and sold it in, in 2017. Uh, since then, I took on another couple of um, uh, projects and really four weeks ago, um, joined Vistra after um, a very in-depth discussion about what Vistra was trying to do and the model that they were pursuing. And I thought that they had a really good thing going and I was interested in, um, in, in helping them on the journey to, to really help entrepreneurs and, you know, and the ecosystem around the entrepreneurs and the, and the venture capital companies. And, and as far as the private equity companies, both at the, um, at the GP level, the LP level, and at the portfolio company level with just, handling yeah this this administrative stuff that just needs to get done when you yep. operate international. yeah yeah well, you're speaking my language because that's that's the role we play too and for for those that don't know like we work with tons of vc backed startups but you guys are experts in international at, uh, that's right. items you know like and we'll talk about this but setting up a company internationally international payroll and then international taxes and so that's it's a really nice kind of marriage for us to be able to refer clients over to you but I think it's super cool that you lived this problem, then did a, a company kind of in the space, and now you found Vistra. It's like it's right. like your third act, and this one's going to be you know a blowout because you you've probably seen every trick in the space, right? I don't know. I, I mean, I've certainly seen a lot. I think perhaps more interestingly, I've heard from the client side so many horror stories, and often expensive horror stories, because of just how complicated it is. Yeah. If you break it down at the individual task level, it's actually quite simple. But when you have multiple countries, multiple services, multiple tasks, it becomes a, an exercise in, in project management. And having a, a provider that can project manage that for you is, um, you know, becomes very valuable. Yeah, I hear it. Also, the, uh, the steps are not too bad, but so many of these steps are dependent on a previous step. That's right. I, I know for us, like when we do U.S.-based compliance, like, you know, like a, a state agency doesn't send you something and you're just dead in the water until you actually get that, you know, piece of paper. So why well, I, I really value what you do. So that's I'm really glad you came on. So let's talk about, you know, we're talking to like an entrepreneur, maybe they're um, a five person company, a 20 person company, 50 person company, and they need to set up a presence internationally. What's the right. kind of first thing they do? How should they be thinking about this? And how, how, do, how do they work with you to, to do it? You know, I think the first question that, that somebody on my team would probably ask is, um, is what, are you really, what are you trying to do out there? You know, is this a market that you're really testing the water and you want to know if it's a potential long-term uh, market for you? Or frankly, is it a place where you're sourcing, you know, whatever it might be. And then based on that answer, potentially offer you, you know, a number of solutions. So let's, let's give a, a silly example for the sake of, um, of, of our listeners. Let's say that you are operating the U.S. and you're really interested in, I don't know, let's take Mexico as an example mm -hmm. or um, as a neighboring market where you want to you test out the market for your product. You can go the traditional route, which is, you know, set up an entity, put in place the infrastructure in Mexico, hire locally and go that way. And that is certainly a service that we offer and one that um, 
that is, you know, the traditional model and, and probably the most prevalent service that we yep. that we provide. Now, there is a, an intermediate step for those who really don't necessarily want to um, take that big step right away, which is the um, the employer of record or the PEO approach. In other words, um, we could work with you whereby we would um, employ people on your behalf in the, the market of your choice, let them do the groundwork that you need to do to really assess that the market has the kind of uh, long-term potential that you want it to have, and then, and only then, transition that individual and whomever else you may want into a structure when the time is right for you. And, and that's kind and of that's the key a, thing. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to speak over you, but that's, that's yeah. what I recommend to a lot of our startups. It's a really nice innovation. And like you said, you can test out the market a little bit and you're not creating this entity that has to be unwound or has to go on a tax return. And it's really cool right. that you, and I think one of the cool things about Vistra is you guys will actually handle that whole process soup the nuts for the entrepreneur and make it easy for them, right? That's right. We handle it soup the nuts, at, but we also make sure that we give you your you know, account manager here in the US. So if you are dealing in 10 countries, the object is not for you to have 10 different relationships. Oh. It's for you to have one and we take care of the rest. That's really nice. That's really nice. Yeah. What do you see as the crossover point for, like say say someone did a, P, uh, a global PO first, what's the moment where they should start thinking about, okay, maybe I do need to have a, a, a legal entity here and you know what what's the tipping point? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of ways of answering that question. So from a purely financial perspective, the PEO model is a, is a great model, but you end up, you know, what you're basically doing is paying a percentage on top of the salary of the individual, yep. right? So as you hire more individuals, the absolute number that you're paying goes up pretty yep. substantially. Yep. And there comes a point, financially speaking, where you may, um, you may want to look at alternative models. That's the financial side. On the, you know, on the more legal side, depending on the size of your business in that, in that country, you may fall afoul of permanent establishment um, rules and regulations that you can't be so big and be operating under the guise of something else. At a certain point, it is, you know, in your interest to set up and, um, and have things done properly in that location, especially if, as you know, tends to be the case, you're going to talk about signing local contracts, mm. having local relationships there. That's, um, that's something that you need to do with, through your own entity versus um, a third party or even uh, going back to head office. That makes a lot. I hadn't thought of the local contracts aspect. Is it, is it like a, a headcount issue too? Like, you know, you can only kind of have 10 people or 20. Is there a bright line yeah. or is it, is it, is there a threshold that you advise your clients on saying like, hey, we got, we got to flip you over now into a, an entity? Yeah, I wouldn't say there's a hard and fast rule because it depends on the level of the person, the, the you know, what they're doing, et cetera. But at a certain point, if you're serious about a market, you probably want to have your own presence. Yep, yep. And, um, and it's for the company to decide when that is. Hey, it's Scott Orner, Cruise Consulting. And before we get back to the podcast, quick shout out to ChartHop. ChartHop is one of my favorite new SaaS tools on the market. And basically what ChartHop does is it puts your org chart in the cloud. And I always like to say like, it brings transparency to your organization. And so, you know, everyone in your organization can see who they report to. They can see the full org chart of the company and how their group relates to other groups. It also has a lot of information on the individuals in the company. And so you can click on the chart profile and just get like, where people live, their experience, 
you know, Slack handles, all this kind of stuff. And it's just a really great tool. The other thing is ChartOp has started doing some cool stuff around compensation and budgeting planning. And so you can actually start seeing like what the cost structure of the company look like during certain kind of scenarios. So I'm loving ChartOp. Check it out, chartop.com. We use it at Cruise, really like it. And I can't recommend it enough. All right, back to the podcast. Now, going back to the the like full on entity, uh-huh. how do you like what are the steps in the process that you handle for the for the clients? Like what what are you knocking out for them? So the bundle, let's talk about the yeah. bundle. The bundle, which is sort of the turnkey solution, is the setting up and ongoing maintenance of your legal entity, whichever one you choose or whichever one we choose together. And you know you have annual obligations. You have um, you have aspects that need to be handled at the entity level. It may be shareholder meetings. It may be um, all kinds of, um, of 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 annual obligations. Board of director um, elections, that kind of stuff. All the stuff correct. that makes you retain your corporate liability shield, kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that would be, I would say, one you know one service line within the bundle. The second service line would be. The, the statutory accounting and tax mm. compliance at the local level, right? If you, in some countries, you need to have local books, you need to, you certainly need to file local taxes and ensuring that you have someone on the ground that knows how to do that and frankly does it on your behalf whilst giving the ability to get that information back to your head office so that it can be consolidated as needed, again, is, is part of the bundle, the second leg. And the third leg would be, um, would be your employees, your, your, your HR, and payroll services. So, you know, advising you on what employment contracts should look Ooh. like, what benefits packages should look like. And then once you choose them, implementing them, paying the payroll, ensuring that these people get paid according to whatever the local custom may yeah. be, and doing so again in a compliant manner. So you put those three together and you effectively get an outsourced back office service, which permits you to just send your front office people to do the work that you need yeah. them to do. And the rest is taken care of for you. And I think the beautiful part of that, especially like on the HR compliance and even payroll, is you have an expert who actually really understands that country-specific stuff. I think people underestimate the complexity country to country. And again, that's why we like referring Vistra in because like we know we know we're not capable of doing that. And we don't even try because we don't want to mess it up and put the company in jeopardy. And so it's nice that you have all these, you know, an account manager who can liaise with the country uh, experts. There's a reality to international business. Well, there's a reality to the doing business in the US, which is the US is such an extraordinarily business friendly climate yeah. that yeah. even non-compliance in the US, when you get things wrong, the penalties are reasonable. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's not the case, you know, that's not the case in many other countries. Yeah. In many other countries, you're personally liable. Oh my God, really? Taxes don't get filed. You are, you know, you are on the hook. Your personal assets are on the hook. If you end up as the legal representative of an organization in Brazil, as an example, and you have uh, an issue or something isn't done properly, they can go after you. And there are plenty of horror stories of people going to see their subsidiary in country A or country B and, you know, not being out of, allowed out of the country. Oh, my God. Or, really? uh, of course. And again, it's. I'm, you know, this is not a scaremongering tactic. No, that's I, not what yeah. I'm trying to do here. I think the point I'm trying to make is that a lot of these extraordinary companies that have come out of the U.S. that really have um, busted through a lot of the, the the regulations and compliance 
that existed here. There's a reason it exists that these companies were created in the U.S. is that it, that's part of the ethos of the country. Well, when you go abroad, and there's plenty of examples of phenomenally successful U.S. companies that do fall afoul of local regulations yeah, yeah. internationally, it's important that you have a partner with you that, at the very least, ensures your compliance within the parameters that that you know that are acceptable. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm thinking of like the Uber, Airbnb regulatory arbitrage in the U.S. Exactly. And I know Uber's had trouble in other countries. Is there a point where the company gets too big for you to even service them in these countries, or what's kind of absolutely the threshold there? Absolutely, no, no. I think, listen, like anything in any business, I think once you are achieve the kind of scale that uh, merits it, setting up your own back office operation makes sense. And um, and again, in the same way that Vistro would accompany you from an EOR arrangement to a, an outsourced um, back office arrangement for your international expansion needs, we would also accompany you when you decided to take it in-house. And, you know, because Vistra really does spend the majority of its, um, of its time working with fast growth companies in the, in the tech and biotech space, that's part of our DNA. Yeah. We're used to accompanying you through the entire life cycle. And by the way, very important to know also, you may expand into 20 countries, but it only might make you only might get to scale, or it might make sense to insource in 10 of those 20. Yeah. Yep. In those other in those other 10, you still want to have a you know a third party relationship, just economically speaking. Yeah, and also maybe in those other 10 countries that you didn't hit scale, you might need to unwind it. You know, and I'm assuming also, you can do that for them too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's nice yeah, because it's the entire like a low risk. You know, especially with the PEO option in some of these some of these countries, like you can get in, try it out. If it doesn't work, you guys can unwind it for the clients and move on to greener pastures. So that, that's really neat. Absolutely. You talked about the three legs of the stool earlier with payroll and HR being one of them and then tax compliance. How do you kind of interact with the mothership, maybe like a U.S.-based corporation mothership, and then, you know, these subsidiaries, like what uh, processes and what services are you providing yeah. on the tax side? Yeah, so, that, so that's kind of where the magic um, kicks in. Companies are, you know, our client companies are really different. Some have a all the power at the center, so to speak. So if it's a U.S. headquarter company, the decision makers, the decisions are taken amongst a group of people sitting in, you know, a particular office or these days with the pandemic in their homes. But um, but still, it's a, you know, a U.S. centric model. As companies grow, they often choose to either stay centralized or move to a regional model where you do have regional decision makers that need to be involved in a project of this sort if, if you're managing a, you know, a multi-country deal for a, for a client. And the, the, you know, the extreme of that are those that get so big that they actually have local decision makers. Every country has their head and each of those heads needs to, yeah. needs to approve something. Yep. As you can imagine, each of those comes with its challenges. And um, our job really is to mirror the organization of the client. So, you know, Talking about our niche, as I said, and then working with the with the tech companies um, and biotech, very often we have the luxury of being able to work with a relatively um, you know small company uh, in its early stages, and therefore a lot of decisions are taken by a small group of people, and we give them their account manager that sits um, in, in front of them, hopefully in the same city or at the very least yeah. in the same time yeah. zone. As they grow, and we accompany them on that growth, we may find ourselves starting to um, to allocate different account managers at different for different services and for different geographies based on how the company is deciding to to run its operation. That must be really difficult. Like, 
kind of flexing your organization to match the the growth because I know with you're servicing the same kind of clients we are just on the international aspect and like these companies grow and you've got a new point person every nine months or someone left yep. you couldn't handle the you know it's 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 definitely challenging and then it's it's, it's hard yeah. What about yeah. on the like the like I'd say like the bookkeeping side or like closing the books for the su subsidiaries like is that that's something yeah. you guys do as well right? Of course, of course, yeah, that's all done at the local level. So you know, we, one should one should not confuse statutory bookkeeping in a particular country with the kind of consolidation work yeah. that happens usually again at, at head office. Yeah. So so we handle all that for you at, at at the local office level. And I think you know it should be sort of I should mention also that. The other reality of, of these businesses is, is the M&A side, the transactional side, where very often you are either absorbing or carving out parts of your business and either selling them or bringing them in. In the event that you're bringing in businesses, and again, these are businesses that are already operating in different parts of the world, you have to ensure that what you're inheriting is also in good standing, that they have paid their taxes, that their employees are being paid properly that the benefits level are in line with whatever the country's specific guides are. Yep. And and again, the traditional model would probably be to bring in a bunch of rather expensive people who charge you on a on a time on a time basis to go in and do that work. Well again, with an organization like Mistra, you have the people on the ground who can very quickly understand if they're if they're already servicing you and your company, understand what how you run and what the benefits are and the, you know, whatever you're giving to your employees compare that to what the target company is uh, is offering their employees and it's and ensure a reconciliation by the book in that local country uh, and again that. if you're doing that you know in 20 countries simultaneously it's um it's a big piece yeah, of work yeah that's a lot of work and the consult makes the consolidation so much easier when the right. local country's books are closed uh, efficiently and you know correctly and you, this is amazing man thank you so much we like i said we've referred a bunch of business to you and and we were talking before we turned the microphone on, but we've noticed that the pace of international hiring, international presences has really picked up with COVID as people got more comfortable yeah. working first remotely and then remotely internationally. So uh, you have a really awesome growth opportunity ahead of you. And thank you for helping the cruise client base. Maybe just take a second to let everyone know how they can get a hold of you or Vistra. They want to work with you. So obviously, we you know we have our web website vistra.com. In there, you'll have um, all the information that you need in order to um, to understand the services that we offer. Not just again at the corporate level, but also when you start talking at the fund level. We also have uh, something that we didn't cover today, but an entire suite of services that ensure the um, the fund compliance. Mm. Mm. Beyond that, if you'd like to. Um, to reach out to to us here in the U.S. directly to talk about anything, you know, my email is um, is antonio.soler at vistra.com. Um, I'll be happy to uh, to take uh, your email and put you in touch with um, the right people and um, and at your disposal to talk about whatever it is that may be on your mind as far as international expansion. Uh, it's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming by. Excited for you for the new opportunity at Vistra, and uh, we look forward to doing a lot of work together. Appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Bye, man. Bye-bye. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise. Founders and friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and friends with your host, Scotty Orr.